This is John Tully with Mead Public Library. The Way We Worked is a Smithsonian traveling exhibit on display at Sheboygan County Historical Museum through October 9, 2021. The Way We Worked explores how work became such a central element in American culture by tracing the many changes that affected the workplace and work environment over the past 150 years. The exhibit shows how we identify with work as individuals and as communities. The exhibit also includes snapshots of how Sheboygan County has experienced work over the years. Tamara Dean and Travis Gross join me in the studios at Mead Public Library to talk about the exhibit, some of Sheboygan's own history, and how the show came together. The Way We Worked is a traveling exhibit currently at the Sheboygan Historical Society Museum. Can you tell us a bit about how how it came about to to land here in Sheboygan? Well, we were starting to look at bringing in some more traveling exhibits that would have applicable content um, for the area, but that could also help broaden the picture of how Sheboygan County, the history here fit in with larger Um, themes and things throughout the country and the world. So um, we've been bringing in some smaller, shorter-term exhibits and then started looking to some of the ones that travel via the Smithsonian. Um, They have a whole division, it's known as Sites, that basically produces a variety of exhibits They can either be ones where they send the content via digital files or they send actual content, um, artifacts, the panels, everything. And so we started looking at what the museum qualifies for. There's a lot of regulations and rules. And this was one that we could easily host fit within our square footage allotment that we have and um, really seem to have great content that we could tie together with local history as well. Interesting. Yeah, it's a beautiful entry into your regular exhibit. What can people expect when they come and see this? What would, what would you, how would you describe uh, the display? Sure. I mean, for us, there were two big goals, I think. One, to be able to have such a nice um, exhibit that's been put together by another historical entity um, that we could then tie local content into. So when you come into that exhibit space, which is our, our changing exhibit area, basically. It's the space we have holiday memories in. It's the space we do temporary exhibits in. Um, You come in and you're greeted at first by one of the sets of panels that is a Smithsonian panel. And there are five separate sections and they're they're um, multi-pieced, varied kind of angles. And then surrounding it on the walls are local photographs Hmm. that highlight work and the different kinds of jobs and people in different uh, settings for the last 
100 to 150 years of local workers and local employment, um, along with a, a small handful of artifacts that also tie in. So, you know, when you come in, one of the first things you see besides um, all the photographs and information is a punch clock that would have been used to punch in for the day, to punch out for lunch, those kinds of things. Um, that is very art deco in nature. It's aesthetically pleasing, um, but it's also really cool when you look at it because everybody was assigned a number. And you turn the wheel and you set it to I'm punching in, and then you adjust the handle and punch that number that was your hole um, so that they knew when it was time for payday what everybody's hours had been over the last whatever their set period of time was. And that was a piece that um, it's a personal one that I like because I think it's just a really cool looking piece. But it was used at Sheboygan Coaster and Wagon Works. And then it was used at the Sheboygan Casket Company. And um, eventually came to the museum after the casket company went out of business. So, if I remember this correctly, it's it's not small. It's it, and it's wooden, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. It it's not particularly small. It's probably about two feet square, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit more, um, because the big wheel that's on the front of it is is sizable. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. probably about a. Th Three foot diameter wheel when it's all said and done. So yeah, the the punch clock is definitely a piece of furniture. It's yeah. not what we would consider a punch clock nowadays, which you know are even going away. But yeah. uh, because nowadays we just punch in on our phones. But uh, but yeah, this is a, a piece of furniture. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, almost a work of art. I mm -hmm. mean, it yeah. really, it's mm -hmm. it's very unique. Um, that's interesting. I didn't spend enough time there because we were on a short time frame, but the local stuff and the Smithsonian stuff is beautifully merged together. I mean, you guys did a wonderful job there. Thanks. And, uh, you know, the Smithsonian display with the size of the photos that they're able to um, bring up and to see the, the basically what we're looking at, child labor, or to see the, the women in the force mm -hmm. um, the full range of uh, the working conditions, the kids on the on the the mill or the printing press. I mean, just probably an amazing thing for people of all generations, like <laughs> to bring your grandkids through there and see that mm -hmm. um, those barefoot kids on the on the the, the mill or whatever. Yeah, um, and I think too one of the things that we've had several people comment on is just being able to see something that you know is being talked about within the Smithsonian's content and then being able to see adjacent or in that area the mm. Sheboygan and Sheboygan County version of it because that was something that was kind of ubiquitous, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, kids working in a mill, mm -hmm. the kids delivering newspapers, newspapers. Uh, th all those kinds of things definitely were occurring across the country, here included. Mm -hmm. 
when we, when Tamara and I sat down to discuss uh, some exhibits that we could potentially bring in, this one really caught my ear because of that fact. It, it allowed us to add local items, local photos, and you know, knowing Sheboygan's history, we're steeped in manufacturing, we're steeped in production. Uh, so it was it, to me, it was a natural fit. Uh, for us to bring this in, and um, and those stories are are there. You know, one of the, one of the uh, parts of the exhibit I I enjoy is uh, our uh, stitching machine from Wigwam Mills, uh, and on the wall adjacent to the stitching machine is a photo of these machines all lined up in a row in the factory. So you you get the understanding that here's the actual piece, but when they were using these in in their heyday. There were hundreds of them in a in a machine in a factory, and a person running each one. You know, so it it, it broadens that, and I think it's absolutely correct in the sense that that Smithsonian Institution exhibit allows people to realize that what was happening here in Sheboygan was worldwide. Yeah. You know, that we're we're a part of this larger thing. We're not just Sheboygan, and that's an interesting point from the Smithsonian side in terms of this touring exhibit, it's going to change slightly depending on the, the uh, community it's, it's, it's brought into and, and how they react to it in terms of the mm-hmm. manufacturing, right? I mean, we know we have Kohler here, but what are, some other, uh, what are some other manufacturing things that Sheboygan was known for? What are some other things that were maybe we've forgotten about that were, were produced here? Well, definitely chairs. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, with I think chairs and yeah. the furniture industry. Yeah. And that really started as chair chairs. manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then those companies grew. I mean, there were at least 30 different manufacturers of chairs alone. Mm-hmm. Not to mention some of those companies were making, you know, dressers and bedroom sets and kitchen tables. Mm-hmm. Um and then some, there were companies that didn't make chairs, but made bed frames and bedding and mattresses and all of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So I think from that standpoint, and that's something we don't talk about as much within the exhibit because we have a separate exhibition, a long-term ex- exhibition about the chair industry in particular. Mm-hmm. Um I know, you know, shipbuilding for a while, right. really early on, they were building ships. Um, yeah, and for, for a while, the largest ship on the Great Lakes had been built in Sheboygan's Harbor. So, you know, not a long amount of time. Definitely, you know, our, our neighbors to the north in Manitowoc are a little more well known for their shipbuilding. But, you know, Sheboygan had a profitable uh, shipbuilding yard for a couple decades. Yeah. So... Uh, I think beyond that, then we look at enamelware, uh, the Kohler family and the Valrath family, uh, and what they brought their skills over from Germany uh, and, and and started developing their products. And if you look at some of these long-term, long-running companies like Kohler, or Valrath, or Bemis, you'll see actually through their history where they've tried, they've manufactured several different things. Sometimes they take, sometimes they don't. 
Um, you know, a, a, a current big topic right now are, are iron iron gravestone crosses uh, that Kohler Company had manufactured. Um, and it seems to be people are excited about finding these now in area cemeteries. And they didn't really realize that Kohler ever did that. You know, we have a park bench that Kohler made uh, in our collection, you know, and it's uh, I, I think that lends to the whole entrepreneurship uh, of the people in our area. Um, yesterday I had a conversation with some people and we were discussing about how manufacturing has changed in Sheboygan County and how nowadays it seems like one of the larger production items are food items, cheese factories, sausage company, you know, and these are huge international, definitely national, some of them international businesses where they're sending their product around the world and it's, you know, manufactured in a plant in Sheboygan County. Uh, so, you know, and I, I think that just lends to the that manufacturing aspect, the entrepreneur uh, of our area. You know, you're always looking for that next thing. Um, Bemis Corporation, you know, we all know them for toilet seats, right? But they had a profitable line of uh, furniture, patio furniture, for several years. Um, they're into now manufacturing items for the medical industry, uh, you know, for hospitals and clinics and things like that. And, uh, you know, and I think that just kind of lends to the, the forethought of people always looking for that next, next item. Yeah, and even as some of the manufacturing has changed, Shoe manufacturing. There were numerous really excellent shoe manufacturers. Then there's something new that comes along, whether it be mm -hmm. um, a change in the manufacturing for one of the the current companies, um, or it's a new a new business mm -hmm. that kind of bubbles up, um, and sometimes it's kind of a rebirth of that when we think about the fact that there used to be numerous, for example, beer manufacturers, um, you know, with that food idea. And it kind of went away for a while. Um, and then now it's starting to come back and you're seeing that grow again. And um, it's really interesting um, from that standpoint. But I think, too, one of the things that appealed to I think both Travis and I with this exhibit as well. It allows us to look at a variety of mm -hmm. work um, because I think like so many places, manufacturing was really big for a very long time and the world has changed and work has changed and um, now we have a lot more employment in the service sector. And so how does that fit in? Um, the idea of working in an office versus working in a factory. And even the idea of working on a farm mm -hmm. or in a rural setting versus working in a city setting. And those are all things that they, they touch on in the exhibit and that are things then that we can explore further with our materials as well. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that was another industry that Tamara had mentioned, the dairy industry, it was huge. Uh, you know, for dairy farms manufacturing their own product and, and bottling their own product. Um, cheese factories, yes, we're still known for cheese production today in the area, but you know, 150 years ago, we had 
couple hundred cheese factories right. manufacturing cheese all over the county, um, sometimes right across the street from each other. And, uh, you know, and, and it was it just lent to that, you know, farming obviously was was major and it's still a major part of our county uh, today. Um, but when, you know, you, you have so many cheese factories and you, you drive around the County today and you can still see these buildings. Now, granted they're, you know, repurposed into home or something else, but, um, but you know, there's those, those, those tells that was an old cheese factory, you know, if it's, if it's built within five feet from the roadway, that was probably a cheese factory, you know? Um, so it's just, uh. You know, sometimes you think of that, uh, you know, and food production has always been here different. Mm-hmm. But was know. it was it not? I mean, I mean, it was much more of a local economy. I mean, there, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we're not we're not dealing with a global situation, or even in some cases national. I mean, right. you're producing within your area, you're delivering mm-hmm. within your area. Yeah, so. although like with dairy and like the cheese industry, right. that that was really early on a, a national industry mm-hmm. for sure um you know they yeah, the were setting exchange. the mm-hmm. cheese exchange in plymouth they were setting the price oh, wow. nationwide right. the chair industry that furniture industry mm-hmm. within you know 20 years they were shipping out to the world right. honestly that was part of the advantage right. i think of being on Lake Michigan and the Great Lakes. And one of the things, and we didn't end up including it, but it was funny when we were doing some research for this, we found a letter, um, a copy of a letter that is essentially um, one of the local um, chair manufacturers making a pitch to the Smithsonian that they should buy their chairs to um, put in the library, this new library that was going to be opening at the Smithsonian Institution and how their chairs were really sturdy and they would be able to fulfill that order, no problem. Which was, it's just a really interesting, Mm -hmm. everything comes full circle. (laughs) And it's that connection to the larger world. Yeah, You know, it was happening back when the economy was more locally based but uh you know it's just it's always nice to bring that out you know as as people work in the historical field it's always nice to say yeah that that's a great idea that's occurring today whatever it may be but you know they did that a hundred years ago (laughs) and it's just different it's it's a larger scale or it's easier to do nowadays because of technology or whatever it may be but but you know it's a that sense of you know history kind of going full circle i think there's a lot of truth to that in in many things uh not everything but in many things and uh uh industry seems to be one you know i mean especially when we work look in sheboygan you know obviously the food industry has always been here and we haven't even touched on you know like meat markets or you know sausage manufacturing Mm -hmm. we still have substantial businesses here but once upon a time there were you know sausage makers on corners in every community you know it was a you just did it in the back room, <laughs> you know. It's like nowadays, it's all these huge modern facilities, but uh, but it's it's there, and you know. And I think Sheboygan also, with our manufacturing history, which is nice with the Smithsonian uh, exhibit that we have, is we have these other items that people don't really think of that that are manufactured here. Um, you know, Garton Toy Factory did did toys, children's toys, and they were 
all over. Uh, highly sought after by collectors today. There's an item in the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, D.C. on display, a, car, a garden toy uh, pedal car. You know, I mean, so it's there. Um, you know, plastics, we have several plastic companies in the area. And, uh, you know, so it, 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 I think that just lends to, I don't know why, <laughs> you know, I mean, um, some people say, you know, it's the German heritage and they're hardworking and they're, you know, they're just, let's get to it and let's get it done. Um, I think there's some of that, um, but there's so many other, you know, geographical reasons, environmental reasons, uh, why things settled here and took root. Um, that was a question I had was, you know, so obviously the port, they're shipping, mm-hmm. um, I was figuring, you know, with the families that are coming, the I don't, I, was there resources that were utilized in the area? Um, um, I'm assuming there was probably a lot of logging that happening right. for the furniture and the mills and whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, ultimately, they end up bringing in a lot. But again, yeah, right. that's the advantage of being the lake the and, and being on a, a rail system right. as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, and they definitely use the you know the environment the the, the natural you know raw materials that were here right. absolutely yeah. right. um, you know there was a lot of wood and uh, well what's you know most of the furniture built 125 to 150 years ago in the city were built of wood so um, and they cut. It's easy. You just start cutting in your vicinity, and when you use that up, you just move a little further, and you cut that up, and you move a little further, and you cut that up. um, So, you know, I think there were a lot of those, you know, aspects that, you know, definitely being on the Great Lakes absolutely helped. You know, that's a main line to the east coast of the United States. So you can't argue with that. There's a reason Chicago is one of the major cities. And a a large reason is, is this geographical location, you know, at the tip of the great lakes, central part of the country. Um, you know, anyone who's driven through the South side of Chicago knows that at one point you're driving on five different interstates because they all converge at one point and the rail line. And yep. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and any mode of transportation that came before cars and trucks, Chicago is a hub. Um, the natural history of Chicago is swampland. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, it really is. And Um, I think that's part of it too. You know, even if there wasn't enough wood to do extensive logging, Mm -hmm. Um, there was this wide variety of resources right. here. We had wood. We had plentiful farmland. Mm-hmm. We had the dairy industry that does really well with the farmland and the nature of farming in this area. Mm-hmm. We have ready access to water, not only the Great Lakes, but you know we have rivers and streams. So there is a plethora of resources available um, that can work together to really get a lot of the communities started and a lot of the businesses started. There's also, I think, a lot of ingenuity. Um, You know, we have a number of things in the collection that are patent inventions by individuals. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you have patent in inventions for companies, 
but also individuals or they came up with this mm-hmm. one time you know fishing reel that they thought was going to be the be-all end-all mm-hmm. um, I think it's called a fish master we were just looking at it the other day and uh, the the great thing about it was going to be that you could use it for ice fishing and you could use it for regular fishing <laughs> you know which is I think in today's world where a lot of things are so specialized yeah. it's a really interesting combination uh, item. Um, yeah, the, the idea that it can be used in a broader manner. You know, right. It's like it, it seems so, you know, yeah. it's like people thought that way. <laughs> yeah, like, why, yeah, why, would I, why would I want to yeah. turn my sled right. into a, a, a wagon coaster or right. vice versa? And yet <laughs> those are things that we yeah. see pretty regularly. Oh, here's skis. That you can take the wheels off the coaster wagon and put the skis, put the skis on, on the axle, mm-hmm. and then it's a sled in the winter. Yeah. So, and I think too with this exhibit in this area as well, one of the really nice things is that um, the Smithsonian did a great job of addressing all of these different kinds of of work, and mm-hmm. also the entry of more women into the workplace Mm -hmm. or the idea of changing um, the, the changing nature. Um, So, you know, hospitality or service in terms of um, like public service, police, fire, those kind of things. And, and those are all items that, we're able to relate to and mm-hmm. also include um, materials mm-hmm. from as well. I know we had a couple interns this summer, and, and one of their jobs was to help work through and pick out some of the photos we were going to use. Um, and, you know, within within parameters that we need to make sure we represent this, this, time frame, all of those things. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that they picked out was a, a was a really nice photo of, um, I think it's the women's department. It, it might even be the oh, right. women's lingerie department at Prairie. Which yeah. was right across the street which from was, me. Right. Yeah, right. which yeah. was mm-hmm. right across the street. Mm-hmm. And so we have a nice collection of Prangy's memorabilia and so we were looking through some of those things it's this great picture what else can we put out and um we're talking and i said oh we we have um some mutual aid cards and both of them kind of looked at me and i said like insurance right like health insurance cards that we all carry today Mm -hmm. this is the early version of that you know before insurance was how it is (laughs) Um, a lot of these companies created mutual aid societies or mutual benefit societies where everybody would contribute and then when there was a need the employees could could draw out of it and um, I remember we were talking about it and both of them were like huh that wasn't what I would have guessed you know like (laughs) When I saw mutual aid society 
or mutual benefit society. That isn't, I figured it was something where they were, you know, something to benefit the community mm-hmm. or, you know, raising money. And I was like, that's fair. Yeah, and that's, and fair. that's a good, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's a, it's a decent thought process mm-hmm. without necessarily having Not seen them right. and knowing what they were. So out, you know, out we went to get these, basically they look like credit cards. For prangies, but they're not credit cards. <laughs> <laughs> Although we have those too. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so, um, so I think that's something too. That's really nice with this exhibit. It just yeah. it helps to have a variety of things that people can relate to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it and and it is you know all of those jobs that are portrayed in the Smithsonian exhibit we're here in this community you know someone did almost everything that's depicted in that exhibit you know there was someone here at some point that performed that duty so uh and and you know that's the great thing about it you know is one of those where yes we do local history but you know our local history is tied to a larger uh, world and that's true for everybody's local history right. I, you right. know I mean I, I firmly believe all history is local history sure. you know I mean that's really where it begins and um, so you know it's nice and, and and having it in and having people walk through the exhibit today and just stopping and talking with them and, and listening to stories or you know pointing out something that they noticed whether it's a local person or someone you know a tourist coming from outside the area, uh, there's something there for everybody to connect with. And, uh, um, and it's always nice too, when, you know, you have somebody who's local and we use a photo of some old cabbies from the 1920s and, you know, one of our members and at the societies, that's my dad. There's my dad. That's my dad's cab company. So, you know, it's like that, that, that feels good. You know, I mean, you're making that connection. Um, and whether we knew that or not, I, you know, I didn't certainly know that until she mentioned I it. I didn't and, realize right. it. So then it's, you know, having photos taken with her next to this photo of her dad and his cabbie partners and, you know, just asking questions like, why are they wearing those big leather gator boots? What's the, I don't know, that was just the uniform, (laughs) you know, and it's like trying to figure out why, why this, uh, you know, Um, but she, she shared the story of her family and she, you know, he was a cabbie and it was profitable for many years and you know, uh, it's just, uh, it's nice to make that connection. Yeah, really amazing to have these pieces fall into place, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and some some things answered and probably more questions raised, too. Right. But to make that direct connection uh, locally is really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think, you know, for me, especially, that's the joy of local history. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, it's like, yep that the the exhibit is fantastic and i'm glad we have it and you know but it it, to me it all kind of brings it back to us in this area it's you know that exhibit can go any place in the nation and it and it works just as well yeah yeah Yeah. and it's probably like you had just said i mean it's it's going to be fairly similar at each Mm -hmm. of those places because there's the 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 core of that exhibit can relate to wherever it lands right right? um so i mean that exhibit is here until when 
tickets? October 9th. Okay. Um, it's actually technically here until the 10th, but we're not open on Sundays. <laughs> right. So um, the last day will be October 9th. And after that, we'll have a day or two to get it packed up, mm -hmm. ready to go. Um, and then it's traveling actually out to Bristol, Virginia oh, after nice. this. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I know I've been, I, I've just been talking with that next location a little bit about um, shipping logistics, but mm -hmm. then also they're very interested in, well, how did you tie it in locally? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And this is actually the second place that has called, well, I've talked to in the last two weeks because mm -hmm. another organization in New Mexico heard about it, probably via the fact that it um, is on the Smithsonian's information. Right. And um, so she called one day and just said, you know, I just... I'd love to pick your brain about how you tied it together. We actually, by a fluke, one of the people that we work with at the Smithsonian, and there's a handful of people um, there with, with the exhibit that are our contacts, one of them grew up in Belgium, and she was coming back to visit her parents in the area. So she was in like a week ago. Belgium, at, Wisconsin. Belgium, yeah. Wisconsin. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, Belgium, Wisconsin. Uh, locally, I, I realize that that's, so I mean, yeah. I just want to be sure. That, <laughs> yeah. I know, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, so she and her parents came in and, you know, spent a you know couple hours going through the museum. And she was really excited to actually be able to see the exhibit mm. in person. Um, you know, she spends a lot of time she happens to be one of the PR people, so she spends a lot of time approving, you know, all the promotional materials. So to see it, like, mm -hmm. in person, how an organization takes that content and then really does make it their own. Mm -hmm. um, and I know Jennifer said, this is, this is what we want everywhere to do. Right. We don't want them just to put up the panels that we send we want you to really integrate it into the story of your community. There's a ripple effect that's happened by bringing this through where you're bringing materials in locally. Right. And it's going to have an effect, I would guess, on on your collection. Like it's going to have a shift that you've brought these things out. And I would think that it's going to have that impact everywhere it goes, mm -hmm. right? Right. It's, there's a soundtrack happening as you come through. The photos, it's, it's really easy to just kind of delve in and the way, and, and I realize it's not a huge room, but it, it's just so full, it's yeah. so rich. Yeah. Um, and, and the combination of the visual elements and then the artifacts that you do have on display. Yeah. Uh, it'd be amazing to see that documented as it goes through the country. Yeah, to see other impact. places yeah. that, yeah. that so have it. And, and I know that's a, a question a lot of them have, have asked, you know, how did you... How did you do it? Not not just like how did you pick out things, but how do you physically make it all fit together? So that's a question I do have for yeah. you because you might have had some idea of the amount of pieces, of the dimensions. How much of this did you put together ahead of time? And how much of it did you fine-tune once you had it in place? Because like, I, I believe that it's the center of the room, that's the Smithsonian, and then you've kind of right. filled in around the perimeter. Right. So ahead of time, they send us a pretty extensive 
set of information. Um, We get um, rough labeling. We get um, basic square footage Mm -hmm. of each of those sections of panels. Mm -hmm. Um, So we just, we had a fairly good idea um, and knew we would have all the wall space for sure. So we knew that that was kind of a given. We could utilize that. Um, And then once the exhibit that we had had in that space was out, what we actually did um, was go in and kind of rough mark out on the floor, essentially rectangles. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we could see, okay, we have, we really want to use this piece. Here's a space we could put that. You know, we really want to use this. Here's a space we can put that. We ended up actually with a little bit more room than we had initially anticipated, which is good. Yeah. I'd, ra- I'd yeah. rather go that way right. than yeah. Yeah. realize stuff. that yeah. we're going to have to take something out. Right. And, of course, it would be the one thing, you know, somebody loved the best. Yeah. Um, it's always easy to add. Into yeah, yeah exactly. Like you guys have plenty, I'm sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so... And that really helps with planning, too, because we could look Mm -hmm. at um, thematically how they lay out the different sections and then be able to to pick things out. Mm -hmm. Also, we've been doing exhibits in that space and and changing the exhibits in that space for for years, Mm -hmm. honestly. And so after a certain amount of time, you do start to get a feel for the Mm -hmm. space. I know roughly, you know, when I was sitting down and talking to David and Roman, okay, we're going to pick out photos. We're going to print them large scale because people love to look at the details. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to guess we, we can have 20 or so. I think we have 23. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and it all kind of depends upon, you know, how many of each size. Right. And so part of that, too, is just... Over time, you you get to know your space and and what you can put in there and have it be comfortable. Mm-hmm. I personally don't love to just jam it all in mm-hmm. because then you get overwhelmed mm-hmm. and so that that was part of that process too. Um, and then you tweak it, you know, as you go along. the The nice thing about the pieces from the Smithsonian, they actually came with floor sticks, right? that essentially were the the footprint the exact footprint and so we could lay that out make sure everything was good and then start assembling all those pieces and and having that visual is so helpful in that in that moment you know that you can like well we had it this way but let's turn it 45 degrees and it'll fit better yep because now you really see that footprint and where it's going to go um and, and it is. I mean, there is, you know, there's aspects to that display, too, where you can just turn things a little bit to open up a little more walking space or uh, have it where if you're walking through, you can see that photo that's hanging on that banner a little better, uh, that kind of thing. So um, that's not my foray. I understand space and, you know, spatial use, um, but that's that's Tamara's department. And uh I let her and the interns do it, and I just sit back and watch, laugh sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, it's figuring it out. It's a big puzzle, you know. If it you, is a giant you know, puzzle a lot of times. If you play Tetris in your life, it's, you know, yeah. you're just figuring out how everything's going to fit yeah. together. Yeah. So, um, 
but it's fun to watch. And, and, and I've participated. I've helped, you know, but uh, um, that's not my role, curator and exhibitor. <laughs> <laughs> that's why that position exists. <laughs> <laughs> I think, too, one of those things is it's always nice to – it is nice to have an extra person or two mm-hmm. um, because they can look at it as well and say mm-hmm. – Hey, what if we just shift this like a little bit? Oh, yeah, that makes a huge amount of difference. Because sometimes you just can't see it in the yeah. moment, you know. And and there was we were putting up some of the photos, and there's a, about a foot height difference between myself <laughs> and um, it. Some of the taller individuals at work, and I, I walked in, and I was like, "That's too high, guys." <laughs> And they're like, no, it's fine. And I'm like, mm-mm. <laughs> I'm like, you got to remember, you know, you guys are on the tall end. Yeah. I'm on probably the medium end, but there's going to be some, mm-hmm. some, some shorter people right. as well. Um, so, you know, we made a, a real easy adjustment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of those things that sometimes you don't think about. Um, yeah, you're hanging the photo to your vision at that moment, so it's comfortable for me. Right. At five nine, you know, but how is it for someone who's five foot? You yeah. Know? So exactly. Uh, you try. You, you try to you know appease and and please everybody, and you don't want to you know alienate anyone. You know, everyone has. You want everyone to see it and enjoy it. So. Yeah. It's and a, and that's a big thing too with this exhibit. I mean, it's a big thing with any museum exhibit. But um, because it comes from the Smithsonian, they have very um, specific mm-hmm. regulations that come with it about clearance spaces and um, sight lines and things mm-hmm. like that that they ask that you abide by, um, which are things we do anyway. Right. Um, but it's kind of validating, isn't it, in a way to kind of go to have – the yeah. Smithsonian say, yeah. well, we, yeah. well, we do that already. Yeah. Awesome. And you're like, yes. We yes. do know what we're doing. All is right. this the first display of its kind in terms of coming through uh, as an outside kind of touring exhibit for, for you? No, we've done a few others um, a, a, on a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first one we've had as part of the Smithsonian, right. um, what they tour. It is certainly a more um, intensive process for those. Um, And there are some more rules in terms of what you need to have and things like that than some of the smaller um, traveling exhibits Mm -hmm. that are out there as well. Um, We do find, uh, for us, the space that we have can sometimes bite us a little bit because it's just it's right on the edge Mm -hmm. of what um is kind of in the smaller range of traveling Mm -hmm. exhibits actually um it's really surprising when you start diving into that more often than not you're seeing things where it's we need 3500 square feet Mm -hmm. or 4000 or 6000 square feet and and we're like yeah we can squeak (laughs) out 2,000 square feet if I'm super creative about where I put everything, you know, that kind of thing. Use that little vestibule hallway really well. Mm -hmm. and um, So that's also part of that 
Tetris and, yeah. and figuring yeah. out how you're going to fit everything yeah. in. Uh, we took advantage of the pandemic to do some uh, remodeling in the in our gallery space there. So we were able to remove some walls that were really unnecessary for mm-hmm. us, and and what that allowed that what that allows for us now is a more open space and it's not as divided with these walls and things and um so it you know it it still doesn't necessarily increase our overall square footage uh but it does definitely allow us a lot more freedom in how we lay things out yeah Yeah, because we're not dealing with a wall yeah you're not trying to figure out how you go around this eight foot wall that really has no purpose (laughs) it it reminds me of a black box theater just in this sort of like shell of a space that Mm -hmm. you can you know create in Mm -hmm. yeah and uh I, it has a sense of height, just the track light. I'm assuming it's track lighting. And, right. Yep. And yeah. there's pretty high ceilings mm-hmm. in there. Yeah, as they're well. up 14 feet. 14. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Cause it, yeah. So, I mean, that gives it, yes, there's an intimacy, but there's a nice flow within the display. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 the ambience of the, of the music, uh, the, 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 the visual. I mean, it just seems like it's it's got to. Are you having a great response from people coming through? And yeah, you know, when I when I walk through the gallery and I see somebody, I always ask, and mm-hmm. it, it's always positive. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people are amazed that you know, little Sheboygan County could get a, a traveling exhibit from the Smithsonian Institution, and they, you know, and it's like, yeah, it's good. And, you know, for for me, it, it, we're on the right track. You know, I yeah. mean, uh, I think myself and all the staff at the Historical Society, you know, we know the little secret gem that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have some fun, you know, promoting that and getting it out there and saying, look at this. And uh, so when we can attract an exhibit from, uh, you know, a place like Smithsonian Institution, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, we've had traveling exhibits that really were like personal collections of people that have done tremendous for us and um you know so it's one of those things that you know we are a museum we have this space let's let's utilize it let's bring other things in um you know yes we're local history but honestly whenever we bring in a traveling exhibit there is that local connection always to it you know so uh you know video arcades Every city had a video arcade in the 80s and 90s, you know. So if we can replicate that for a few months in our gallery, let's do it. Do you um, want to do a video arcade? We've done it. We oh, good. Did it. <laughs> okay. yeah. um, that was probably one of the first, first traveling. really large traveling yeah. exhibits we brought in. And it, it's a collector from um, the Green Bay, Green Bay area. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, it it was it was good <laughs> from that standpoint as well. There are just some things that we would never be able to house right. a collection yeah. of of video arcade games like right. like Bradley had. Right. You know, <laughs> maybe someday we'd have one. Yeah, you know, but not thirty. Um, and and that's part of the appeal as well of traveling exhibits. Um, it allows us to delve into a subject that absolutely was impactful mm-hmm. in Sheboygan and Sheboygan County history. Right. But 
you know, we can't keep it all. <laughs> but I guess um, that's the interesting part of what I, I feel like is like in the process of having this come through, you're bringing up stuff. Well, what do I have in the closet here? Yeah. And suddenly, right. you know, there's this impact to maybe incorporate that in or, you mm-hmm. know, just to get it out and dust it off is huge, you yeah. know, whether or not it mm-hmm. goes back in the closet or not. So, mm-hmm. um, well, and I think too, for us, a lot of times it, helps to see where we might have gaps right. in the collection right. yeah. um, because when something come like this comes in or anytime even when we do an exhibit of our own all of a sudden you're looking at it going "Ooh, I, I'm gonna have to borrow this from somewhere else because mm-hmm. we don't have it and that can be really insightful too because then it's it's really nice six months eight months Two years down the road, mm-hmm. um, somebody comes in and has that item. And inevitably, whenever we have a display, people will see things that they have um, or that they had growing up and say, oh, do you, do you need one or do you want right. another? <laughs> um, and sometimes that's great because the one we have isn't actually ours. Um, so get a chance to upgrade or actually have something that you To actually have, have that yeah, representation. Yeah. Right. To add it to our collection. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I, I think people don't always think about that. Mm-hmm. And, and I know Travis and I both, you know, people will call and I always say, I don't call and ask because right. you never know. Mm-hmm. There are hundreds of things you would think we have that we end up not having mm-hmm. um, in the collection. And then there are some things that we have lots, um, you know, doilies. <laughs> I, we're probably good for the rest of our yeah. lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. 20th <laughs> but, century wedding gowns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's really, it, it is really nice too, I think, from that standpoint, um, mm-hmm. because I think it also helps people value and understand the value of the things that they've kept as well Mm -hmm. right over the years yeah Yeah. the the door is always open we have people coming regularly with items and going oh we're cleaning out um just yesterday a woman stopped by they bought a house they were cleaning out the attic space a a lot of items were left up there Mm -hmm. from the prior owner and they weren't sure but old items and some of them were unique to sheboygan so she brought them over and uh, you know, took a look and so well, we have it already, um, so we wouldn't be interested in it. But if you find other items, don't hesitate. Always come, you know, uh, if, twofold, you know. I mean, we can help you out in some cases, and it helps us out, you know. But it's one of those, it's like, don't just think it's trash. Don't just go right to well, the dumpster with right, it. Right, because know? there's a st- at that point, you're almost like, well, what's, my, what's the sentimental value then? Right. You know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I have... Very few items, but I have like my great grandmother's cabbage chopper, mm-hmm. you know, right? Or mm-hmm. I have, you know, this is like key little items, and that's enough for mm-hmm. me. But it's yeah. it's might not be worth much, but it, it has this history hanging on my wall, right? You know? and right, so absolutely. I think that you know that's kind of the part of the interesting part of coming and seeing your exhibit is to uh, think about the value of items and to think mm-hmm. about these things that uh, we're taking for granted, and now we're, there's so few or. Right. Um, or in some cases, like doilies, there's gazillions of them yeah. because grandma's everywhere. Just everybody, you know, did. everybody yeah, did it. Well, right? I mean, yeah. I still <laughs> do that sometimes when I'm just sitting in front of the TV, yeah. and then I'm thinking, we don't need another coaster in the house. <laughs> you I know, can't stop. <laughs> yeah, um, but I think that is part of 
and that's the joy too, I think, in trying to have a diversity of mm-hmm. exhibits and exhibit content is you see more, mm-hmm. you know, you see other things, you see more things, um, you see that variety and, mm-hmm. and almost all of those tell a story mm-hmm. and there's some really great stories mm-hmm. um, behind them. We did uh, one of our more regular programs is called Collectors and Collections, where we look for people in the community who have a collection. Could be anything. Um, We've seen some, you know, interesting, far-out, unique collections in the years that we've been doing this program. And I think the, the key attribute to that is, you know, it's community people sharing collections and and that that is in essence what we we collect that's what we do um and uh you know so so those stories and how they got into it or the story of how they found the last piece to co- to to complete this collection and you know it's all fascinating stuff and and uh you know to them it's the world you know to me it's just a fantastic story mm-hmm. and uh um but one that's worth telling you know because i think everybody has a s- certain level of collecting in them you save something you know you're always maybe it's not a huge collection but maybe you don't even realize you're collecting it but you know I don't, you know, I have stacks of old concert tickets in my house. You know, it's like, why do I hold on to them? I don't know, you know. Um, but what a collection that is. It started with one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's all it took. And that's yeah. that's right, you know. It started with that one, and then it's like, well, I'll just Tuck keep, it up here. Yeah, until, you know, more recently when now everything's just digital, and in order to have a ticket stub, you print out a sheet of paper with a scanner mark on it mm-hmm. it's like well i think my days of keeping concert tickets are done especially when they're torn in half you know right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. right. but yeah. uh but uh, you know and and that's the you know and and with this exhibit as well and having spoken with people who've walked through it and hearing people say oh i i used to use something like that when i did that job or my my grandfather you know used that when he was farming or, you know, and, and I think that's our role uh, with a historical museum is, you know, it's keeping those stories alive. And if we can jog someone's memory, maybe they forgot that grandpa used to do that. But seeing that photo or seeing that artifact, it brings it back. And, and you know, and I think the value there is, you know, that past, it, it, it matters today. You know, um, something, anything today came from something prior, you know, so uh, and, and uh, you know, that's the, the value of having an exhibit like this uh, and then being able to add locally to it. It just makes that connection stronger. Yeah. Well, you guys have done a beautiful job there. It really is really oh, um, you. Um, beautiful entry into the, the regular exhibit as well. You know, I was I was really blown away to. No, even I didn't know it existed. So um, yeah. I'm a convert. It's, it's hidden underground, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know the main, the the newer main museum building. You know we have the four historic buildings, but the newer main museum building is is built in underground. Mm-hmm. We often joke it's kind of like our little bunker because <laughs> um, it's you know under yeah. it's whole... spancrete and <laughs> yeah. dirt and right. heavens only knows what else. But. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, you don't necessarily realize until you're down mm-hmm. down in there how much space mm-hmm. there is um, and kind of what variety there is. So. Yeah, that, that's what always one of the, uh, you know, that's one thing I enjoy when someone new comes and they see our, you know, our, our building where you enter and yeah. it looks like an, a barn and yeah. they think, oh, you know, well, that's it. Oh, and then quaint. the four historic yeah. buildings and, oh, okay, we're, we're, we're moving into this, like, you know, kind of a living village, or living history village. village or something. Yeah. And they come in and, okay, well, you, you know, go down the steps, take a left and that's where you start. And then you, and they're, and they'll come up and oh, I didn't realize mm-hmm. yeah. it's like, like, that's awesome. You know, now go tell your friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially that you're you're surrounded by parking lots, right? Oh, and, and, yeah. and, right. And then this, this like quaint. I know it's a beautiful building, right. but it's very kind of quaint. That little barn, and yeah. it just reminded me of a parking garage. Yeah. I went on, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, it just keeps going." Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, I realize it does. You know, I do hit the corner eventually. <laughs> eventually. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. As we wrap things up here, how long does the exhibit run? It runs through October 9th. Okay. Um, and it were open 10 to 5 Monday through Friday and 10 to 3 on Saturdays. There are a couple Saturdays in September, September um, that are going to have a little bit different hours. Um, we have our History Hill Music Fest on September 11th. And then on September 18th, well, actually, that is one Saturday will be closed uh, for a private event. We do have a couple programs that will come up associated mm-hmm. with the um, exhibition, primarily um, some speakers. And more information about those will be posted on the museum's webpage and on our Facebook page which are both great resources mm-hmm. to find out more information. And that's sheboyganmuseum.org, correct? correct. Yes, okay. correct. Thank you so much for joining us today. The Way We Worked is an exhibit created by the National Archives, is adapted for travel by the Smithsonian Institution Traveling Exhibition Service, and made possible with the generous support of the United States Congress. Additional local support provided by Kohler Foundation, Incorporated. 